Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. It's good to be back. Yeah. In the studio. Summer, some extended summer vacation for that Sean is, and Trina. <laughs> man, thank you, COVID. Yes. <laughs> that is no lie. It, uh, it's been challenging to try to just get healed up in, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in this post-COVID apocalypse that we're in right now, I guess. Is I say post. post I know. No, I'm like, is it post yet? I don't know about that. I guess it's not because it's, but, it's yeah. had the resurgence going The resurgence, going yes. Ian Goodyear is joining us in the studio. Mr. Ian, how are you? Good. How about you? All the way up here from Lane, Kansas. Ian is a realtor. He works with United Country Real Estate, uh, a land specialist. Mm-hmm. Mr. Land. That's what I and, try to focus uh, on. We had Ian was on a show, uh, as I'm sure Trina remembers before we talked. Uh, he, he's a cop turned realtor. So. Yep. Yeah. He was in the law enforcement career. Uh, we didn't mean to ask you fun questions about being in law enforcement. Maybe, maybe we'll have time for that today. We didn't get around to that the first time around. We, we didn't. Need, we need to make that happen today, I think. I'll start trying to think of some. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you have some crazy story. But it's usually just <laughs> a hard to pick figure out which one I want to use. Oh, gotcha. And There's so many to choose from. <laughs> and, and which one's appropriate. Hey, yeah. there's it's no funny appropriateness how, needed on this show. It's it's funny how um, not always being appropriate and the law tend to have run-ins with each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. People people that are kind of flying a little bit loose out there and not uh, necessarily conforming to uh, um, the right thing to do. And, and then all of a sudden law enforcement shows up. Hmm. Definitely cordial. Definite correlation there. There's a correlation for sure. Well, we appreciate you being back in the yeah. studio. We're excited. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still. I'm. I've had this cough or been kind of choked up, and even though I don't uh, have the uh, the virus, we've had some family that uh, had it, and it. Uh, I don't know. It's always cause for concern. I've gotten tested like twice, and it's like, nope, still negative. I was like, what's going on with this cough? Hopefully, I may I may look back on this and say, damn, I wish I had the COVID instead. That's bad news. <laughs> no. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're excited to have you in the studio. We were talking um, before the show, we were talking a little bit about permitting and pools. Trina's getting huh. a new swimming pool. She's trying to. I don't know if she's actually going to ever get a pool. <laughs> you remember the old show, The uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? Oh, yeah. Send swimming pools and movie, movie stars. stars. Yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be great if it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get your permits approved. I'm about to take the dang pool back, honestly. <laughs> I want It's going to be returned. It'll be time to close it by the time yeah, you get exactly. your Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I need to take a little topsoil off my ground. Oh, you're going to have to have a permit for that. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're going to till the garden, you have to go get a permit. <laughs> oh, you want to have fun in the sun and recreate? Yeah. Yeah, that's extra. Mm-hmm. I got to charge yeah. you for that. Yep, Exactly. Uh, we uh, we have an interesting topic today. We were <clears throat> we were talking earlier, and I asked Ian. I said, "Would you mind uh, joining us on the show?" And let's let's talk a little bit um, on the sale ring 
about overpriced properties, overappreciation, um, maybe that's not the right term, um, getting in too deep in the acquisition phase and, and just the total kind of the uh, amount of capital, the build out, everything you put into properties. Um, sometimes you get upside down and we'll talk as this show goes along, we'll talk more and more about how that happens to people. But more importantly, as real estate professionals, uh, as auctioneers, as anybody that's in the industry that we serve, what do you do with those folks when they come to you and say, hey, I want to sell this property? Great. It's a, that's a great looking property. It's a wonderful property. We'd love to sell it for you. Oh, by the way, I want twice what the market is for this. Yeah. Sometimes that's a byproduct of just greed. They said the market's really good right now, so I'm swinging for the fence out here. I, I want more for my property than what the market's probably going to deliver. But other times it's, um, it's out, instead of greed, it's out of need yeah. because they're just buried in this property. They have just put a lot of time and equity and money, and then they look up and they realize that, uh, and we have some situations like this. You have a listing, Ian, like this right now. In Kansas, where the gentleman owns a farm that he has, uh, and it's in pristine condition, but he's put the best of everything on this property, and then he started to kind of look up at the neighbor's properties and look around in the area, and it's like, uh, you've way overbuilt you this. Priced yourself for the, out, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You're pricing it out of the market. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to talk about how to handle that. Yeah. Because I believe there's strategy. You know, you <clears throat> you don't always figure this out in the first year. But after 30 years uh, of doing this, there are, and, and there tends to be a rhythm in dealing with individuals or sellers like that, where it's, um, how, how am I going to get this sold? Well, realistically, what we're going to talk about later in the show, and I'd like to set this up first in talking about how people get into that state, and, you know, and... and We'll get into that, but there is, as I said, there's a rhythm in dealing with folks like that and setting an expectation that you're probably not going to sell that in the first month Mm -hmm. or two or three months of the listing. But if you have a, let's say a 12-month listing, what you're working for is the middle or back half of that listing where you've got that into a marketable standpoint. Then You've got it into position where you can get it sold down the road. So we'll talk about that. Let's uh, let's talk first about how people get into that state. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> you decide you're going to buy a farm, and the first thing is, do you have the money to buy the farm, and have you studied? Did you use, let's say it like this, did you use somebody in the profession to buy that property, or did you just go out here and give somebody what they were asking for their property, not knowing what the actual market value was in that area? That's a critical point when you're acquiring property is, am I overpaying for this at the point of acquisition? Before you ever get into fixing it up, putting improvements, putting buildings, fixing, you know, uh, fence and, you know, all of that. Uh, Did you just give too much for the bare ground? Yeah. Yeah, And I think you see a lot of that in the housing market right now where, you know, people are waiving appraisals and even inspections, you know, they're covering the cost of what the appraisal is. Yeah. Just to and get I don't, a house. And I don't understand how people are actually financing homes like that. I mean, your average buyer is having to fi- go through some financial institution. How are they waiving 
all of that. What's what's securing that financial institutions? Cash. Yeah. They right. they yeah. have a sufficient amount of cash to make up the difference. So that doesn't mean that they're not getting a loan on the property, but there's a gap. And for example, you buy a two hundred thousand dollar house, which should be selling for a hundred and fifty, sixty thousand. Now it's at one ninety eight. You know, it, let's just call it two hundred thousand. The appraisal comes in, and it's one hundred and sixty thousand, which means you can borrow one hundred and thirty or forty. Well, they're making up that difference between the one hundred and forty thousand and the one hundred ninety eight thousand with cash. Nice. They have enough cash in reserves that they can pay for whatever shortage that the appraisal has. We're seeing that in the land industry. Yeah, uh, I'm dealing with that with a client right now that's up north in northern Missouri. That um, same situation, you know they <clears throat> they don't have enough wherewithal to support the gap between what the appreciation is in the market and where that farm's still going to. It's and it's been very volatile. It's jumped uh, significantly just in the past year. The appraisals are not coming close to meeting those expectations, yeah. so that makes it very difficult to get into uh, to get into a farm right now or to get into a property. Yeah, and you know, I just sold that land down in Missouri for it went for a little over twenty seven hundred an acre. Mm-hmm. I have family who lives a mile from that same property that twelve years ago paid eleven hundred an acre. Yeah, half. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's just crazy. I mean, and mm-hmm. you think about it. 11, 12 years, that's not a lot of time for mm-hmm. a land to double in value. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just in, what is the, what's the length of time? What would that be? I think they would have bought in around 09. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think 12 years. So, well, think about what was happening in 09 too. So they probably got it a discount in the first place. So bringing it back up to the market value is still probably crazier than it was you know bringing it back to market value yeah and you know back in 09 i was i wasn't really aware with all oh yeah that was going it was on right after I the was market in, crashed yeah. and all that yeah some I of that goes college and just that oh, stuff was okay. over my head a lot of it still is over my head some of that comes back to highest and best use so if you change the intent or the purpose of the ground sometimes you can manipulate those numbers and and here's what i mean if you have a grass pasture and it's maybe close to the city limits, but they're running cattle on it. And they've done that for many years. And, and that grass pasture is worth, I don't know, $5,000 an acre, you know, $4,000. Uh, of course, the guy running the cattle is going to argue it's never been worth that because the returns, you know, are um, they're, they're minimal, you know, in the cattle industry when you're paying that kind of a price for land. But let's say, <clears throat> let's say $5,000 an acre. And then the property gets bought and repurposed instead of for pasture land. Now a developer buys it. They're going to plat that, create a subdivision, and they're going to sell that in quarter-acre lots or half-acre lots. And those lots may be worth $50,000 an acre Well, or plus. They can afford to give more than $5,000 an acre for the, ver- for the vacant land before they start that project. So, but they've also changed the highest and best use of that property. It's a different classification or different. Now it's commercial property. It's going to be int- used and intended for a commercial purpose uh, versus, you know, maybe a single family residence or a hobby farm. Or, um, and there's some disparity between agriculture and commercial usage. Mm-hmm. So 
there's sometimes, you know, there's reasons why in a short amount of time, property values double. Um, I would say pound for pound, the, the scarier thing is where you have agricultural ground that 10 years, 15 years ago was worth $3,000 an acre, and today it's worth six or $7,000 an acre, and it's still being used for the exact same intent and purposes. That's, that's a lot of appreciation yeah. in a relatively short amount of time in land, and, and that's, uh, that can be a scary thing. Because they claim the market, you know, what goes up must come down at some point. May not come back to the starting place, but if you get too much appreciation in too short of a time, there can be a correction yeah. involved in that. I heard something interesting the other day. I was talking with somebody about the housing industry and the bubble uh, that we were in in 2007, what culminated into the collapse into the housing and the financial markets. They don't believe that that same thing's going to be replicated into what we're seeing right now because there's very, very little supply and a lot of demand, tremendous amount of demand in the market. And two primary reasons is uh, the loans that are being made today on the properties are a lot more legitimate loans. They're, they're stronger. The lending practices are stronger. And most banks would say that their, their loan um, satisfaction rating is much higher than it was possibly leading yeah. up to 2007. Those are collectible, you know, they're, they're well organized and, and uh, the, the loans are just better loans. Yeah. The other thing that he brought to light is that, and I believe he called it Gen X and Gen Y, he said most people traditionally in the numbers, they hit an age bracket of 30 to 35 years old when they start looking to purchase their first home, when they're wanting to purchase a home. There is, and I've, I'm doing this from memory, but I want to say he said there was around 25 million of those coming on the scene over the next several years that there's no houses for them. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there's literally no inventory, and they see this tranche of people coming into the marketplace right now, but they don't have any homes today for them to buy, which means that the building market the new construction market, which uh, it's there's the trickle down effect into uh, wood, you know, into construction uh, materials, into steel, you know, steel construction materials. All of that stuff's going to be needed for the foreseeable future to continue to build out these homes to meet the need of a growing population. Yeah. Well, that's very encouraging. I mean, because you know the the one thing that a lot of people in the real estate profession they've seen a tremendous amount of appreciation in the last couple of years and. I think what they're waiting on is the market to just the bottom to fall out of it. And this analyst claims that's not going to happen. There's still enough demand out there in the future to keep that from happening. That's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need another 08. No. Oh, no. There are some people that made a tremendous amount of money out of that event. <laughs> yeah. 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 But not near as many that tend to prosper out of an event like what we're talking about now, now through yeah. just good normalized appreciation, you know, a, a good balance in supply and demand, a little bit of a lack of supply, which keeps the demand up and the pricing up. And then just a steady flow of inventory as it comes on the market, it needs to be, um, it needs to be put into the consumer's hands, yep. bought and sold, right? Yep. Let's talk a little bit about your project down South. So as you're acquiring property, um, you have available capital. This gentleman in particular that I'm thinking of, he, um, you know, has, uh, has done well in life and he wanted to improve property. 
And what that can evolve into is to way over improve the Mm -hmm. property. And now he owns something that he has dumped a tremendous amount of money in that he would need maybe double the cost of the farms next to him to get his money back out of it. Yeah. Yeah. He had a very specific vision for this property and, you know, he had all these ideas he was going to do and I'll hand to the guy when he did something, he did it right. You know, he puts some, there's a couple steel buildings on there. They're 26 gauge, not 29. So it's a little mm-hmm. thicker. Everything he did, he spared no expense. That's for sure. But now he's kind of seeing the flip side of that is, the next guy coming down the road might not see the same value in it as he's seen. So, And you're finding that, Ian. You've shown that property how many times? I've had a couple of people that were interested in it. Okay. And you haven't had this listed tremendously long. I mean, you're, you're fairly, um, you're in the beginning part of the process. Yep. Uh, you took a one-year listing yep. on the property. Um. Yeah, and before we talk about how to handle the client, let's talk a little bit more about the property. So you're getting inquiries, and one thing that we talked about is the pricing model can be so disproportionate with what the current market's going to deliver is that people almost feel offended to make an offer because it's dramatically below the expectations, below what the ask is. They don't want to offend. You know, people are still pretty nice by nature, and... They don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. So it's hard to even elicit an offer yep. out of somebody. That's I had a neighbor of his call me. She owns land in the area, and she thought it'd be good for her son to maybe build a vet's office there. And she asked what it was listed at. I told her, and her next reply was, well, I'd probably just insult him with my offer. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Because we know from being realtors that a lot of times what people want, and then when you have a cash offer setting in front of them that's even lower than what they want, that's still money staring them in the face, it can help bring their expectations down and say, you know, let's let's go ahead. And I, I won't take that, but I would take this. But you have to have that offer to start that conversation. Yep. Well, and, yeah, I mean, and not only that, but when you have eight people making really low ball offers compared to what you're asking, it kind of sets your expectation like, oh, nobody wants to pay more than X, Y, Z for this. Well, it should. Yeah. And as we talk about how to handle these clients like that, that is one of the strategies is we need to, it's it's a balance out there of trying to get this price somewhere where we can at least get some offers. If they're below what the asking price is, we still need a flow of those offers coming in to show to the seller. Because that validates that Ian's doing a good job in marketing the property. He's getting exposed. We're getting a return. There's a result coming from that exposure. And the result is not satisfactory to what you'd like to have. But at the same token, it is something for you to look at. Because otherwise, what happens in real estate? If I list your property for a year and you said we don't communicate well, And eight months from now, nine months from now, I have zero offers on my property. What's the first thing that I'm going to think of? Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows, yeah. You haven't done a good job of marketing it. I I listed this with you eight months ago, and you haven't even brought me one offer on it. Well, that's... uh, that it's a catch-22 because if you list it so disproportionate to the market, we know from experience that that's probably going to happen. Going back to people are generally nice by nature, 
They don't want to make an offer because they don't want to offend you. Well, they're not helping you out by not putting something down on paper because it validates that they saw the marketing that you did. So you're chasing your tail around. Meanwhile, your seller's sitting there with their arms folded saying, I hired this guy, but he's not doing me any good. When in turn, you're working your butt off. Mm -hmm. It's just so far priced outside of the market that you're just not getting anything to show the seller. When we come back from the commercial, I want to talk more about that because I think there's uh, I think there's an opportunity for us to kind of learn and to educate uh, the listeners on here about a strategy you can deal with somebody knowing going into the game that a property is overpriced, and I have a proactive strategy that I'm going to get you to either sign up for or we're going to have that frank conversation right out of the gate. Let's talk about that when we come back from commercial. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. All right, we're back in the studio with Ian Goodyear. And Trina and I were talking to him during the commercials. We were talking specifically about managing that client whenever you, you take a listing like this. And I like what you said, you know, during, during the break. Um, you, had, you had mentioned that when you took this listing, you knew it was overpriced. And, of course, the one thing they always preach in, in real estate is like, don't, don't take overpriced listings. Well, sometimes there's a time and a place to do that. And is the, it, it revolves around, do you have a good strategy when you're taking a listing? One of the things that I look at in people is what is their current situation? Mm-hmm. What's their, their age? What's their financial situation? Are they retiring and are they trying to get rid of assets so they can have less to manage, less to do? Or are they moving? Uh, are they going through a divorce? You know, are there some health concerns? I mean, so there's various reasons why 
when you take a project like this on, so now, you know, I know in the back of my mind, that's not sellable at that price today, but there's something going on in this person's life that in the next 12 months, I think I'll have this property sold. Then it makes more sense. Yeah. And that's, I think, a big thing to look at is do you have somebody who's motivated to sell or are they just, you know, in today's market, like we talked about, there's people just putting properties out there. They're just going to swing for the fence. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah that's, they're not really interested in selling it, but, you know, if they can make so much money, mm-hmm. then why not try it? Yeah. So I think that's a big thing to look at when you're looking at these overpriced properties. And we got a guy that I think he is reasonable about the price. Um, you know, obviously we're working through some things with him on it. But, you know, and one thing I do is I have some, every once in a while, I'm just meeting with him. He's an older gentleman, so I'll just go to his house, meet with him face to face. And I'm just trying to, every time I meet with him, just kind of try to learn a little bit about him. Because in a few months, we're going to have to start saying, look, it's been on the market for six months, and we're just not getting much going with it. Yeah. And I think the more I can learn about him and kind of what his personality is, I think it's just kind of copping me. You kind of look for different p- people have different motivations, different, you know, different styles of how they go about life. Sure. So sure. I can know how to appeal to him better of, look, this is where we're at. You know, some people want it blunt. Other people, you kind of have to wrap it up in a nice pretty bow and hand mm-hmm. it to him. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's an older gentleman and, so far, we've been able to have pretty frank conversations, so that's that's definitely easier when you've got somebody who you can just be very communicate. You can communicate very straightforward with them. Yeah, I there's think. no tippy toeing around. Yeah. the conversation. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm sitting over sipping water, I'm trying to, to keep from coughing on the microphone. Um, here's something interesting, and this is. It's, it's a difficult thing to navigate in a negotiation, in a listing negotiation. One of the things that people will bring up is said, well, I had a local real estate person. Now, this property, let's say it's overpriced. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a property is overpriced. I've had it listed with the local real estate company for a year, but that's part of the reason that I was attracted to, let's say, United Country that you work for mm-hmm. is a large, like a national company that's been around for almost 100 years. Uh, local marketing, national. Uh, national marketing, local expertise. So they're hiring you because they're trying to get you to draw a larger audience into that remote area, into that rural area. Well, that can that can be a little bit of a problem because what they're really doing is they're trying to justify, yes, I know my property is overpriced, but I'm looking for somebody to come from the outside to uh-huh. give the price that I want versus meeting what that, that low local, local pricing yeah. model is. Yeah. That can be a, a strength and a weakness in a listing presentation yeah. because you're representing a brand that has um, at least has some history or some heritage around having, we have local knowledge, you know, we have expertise in this local knowledge, but we're going to expose your property to a much larger audience. Well, with that, I'm hoping a higher price point comes. Yeah. But Maybe it's never a guarantee. California is going to see it who... Yeah. You know, $100,000 to him is a lot different than $100,000 to the local farmer down the road. Yeah. It absolutely is. Mm -hmm. 
The other side of that equation is, um, I think NAR, you know, quoted a statistic or used to that 80% of real estate's a localized market. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a local market. So that's a very strong percentage. That's a strong number saying that it's going to sell to somebody in this area. Well, those people in this area know that your property is on average, it's worth, you know, or, or property sale for around, I don't know, $3,000 an acre, but yet you're asking 6000 an acre for yours. So, um, well, maybe we can get somebody from California to come out here and buy that. Have you ever noticed that people, I mean, California gets beat up in that yes, conversation <laughs> all the time because there's, whether it's factual or not, in the entire state of California, there has been a lot of over-appreciation in property or very, very strong property values and they're going to cash out of their multi-million dollar home and move out here to, you know, somewhere in the middle of Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're going to buy your $150,000 house for $800,000. Well. No, they're not. Yeah. Why would Maybe they? part yeah. of the reason they had a million plus dollar home in California is because they didn't make those kind of acquisitions. <laughs> yeah. They were smarter with their money than that. Yeah. Yeah. Usually so. people who have that kind of, there's a reason that mm-hmm. they have it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, and it's usually not from overpaying. Well, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking, and it, it's, I think it's a great point because as realtors, as auctioneers, as uh, real estate professionals, we deal with this all the time. Mm-hmm. It is not uncommon at all to have an overpriced property. So let's talk about some strategies when you're meeting with that client right out of the gate. First thing you should do is a market analysis. Yep. Figure out what that property is worth just on the average market, and then we can strengthen it or weaken, uh, weaken it based on its current makeup. Uh, you know, did they put a lot of nice buildings on the property or is it an older structure with some windows knocked out of it? So those two either strengthens or weakens the value. Once you have a pretty good handle on what you believe that property is worth and you're starting the listing conversation, you're going to get down to the list price. At the point that you get to that list price and you said, oh, you know, a lot of it has in negotiation has to do with um, you, you'll want them to, to state maybe a price or to show motivation. Mm-hmm. And then you want to back up whatever you're going to say with um, something that's in print. Because for some reason, when you write something down and you put it in print, it legitimizes the conversation. Yeah. So you're going to lay up market analysis and, oh, you know, I, I think you're going to be a little strong there, and here's why. Um, here's five farms that have sold in the area. Uh, this one had, you know, 23 acres of timber, had 67 acres of cultivation, you know, with an average price on the cultivation of this and the timber. Uh, here's seven homes that have sold in the area and the average price per square foot. You know, now yours is a little bit nicer home than that. We can strengthen the square footage, but you're almost twice what yeah. that average square foot price is. And you need something in writing mm-hmm. to help kind of draw back realization in the conversation. Yep. Because everybody thinks what they've got is the nicest. Always. Yeah. Yes. Always. Oh, well, yeah, I know more. that house. But listen, uh, that guy that lives in that house is an ass. <laughs> well, that doesn't have anything to do with the value yeah. of the property. Yeah. It's still a nice home, you know, yeah. and he's moving. So yeah. if anything, that should improve the price yeah. of the yeah. property. Right? <laughs> but the reality is if you can put that in print, if you can have something in writing, it helps legitimize that conversation. Knowing that if you can't get them down to a realistic price, here's the next step that I I think we would all agree on. Have a strategy that gets you to the finish line before the listing runs out. 
You want to try to get that price down. So I'll agree, and my brother does. And, you know, my brother is, is uh, he's, he's fairly shrewd when it comes to negotiating. And mm-hmm. one thing he uses a lot is, well, I'm trading time for money. My time is valuable as, as a real estate professional. I'm going to get on the phone. It's, I'm, we're not just going to put it on the website and put a sign up. I'm going to start actually making manual phone calls. Uh, I'm going to try to flush people out and meet them at yeah. the property. I'm going to do direct marketing out of my own pocket. I'll trade my time for money, you know, for the price that you want. <clears throat> and the problem is, is in the front of the conversation, you really want to, at the first of the listing, is when you should get the most amount of drive and exposure. So there's an old pricing pyramid that's inverted. It goes, it, it goes down the other way that you have a better opportunity for a higher value at the top at the first of the listing, and then it funnels down. Mm-hmm. That opportunity is shrinking every six weeks or every month or whatever you have it on the market. The opportunity is shrinking, uh, shrinking because you have basically beat everybody up in the market yeah. and ran them off. And now all of a sudden you're getting this down to a realistic price. And they said, no, nah, I've already looked at that place. It's hard to get people to come back and look at it the second time. Yeah. Right. Yep. So you have to have that strategy where if they're if they're too high in the listing, but you believe because of ancillary conditions, their health, their age, their marital status, they're moving, you know, whatever, uh, they are going to sell the property in the next. They want to test the market, but then they're willing to come down. I recommend setting a structure up in the listing agreement that says, well, I'll take this listing at that price, but every 30 days we're going to come down X percent or X, you know, we need to come down $10,000 or $50,000 every 30 days Mm -hmm. until we get this sold. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. And that's kind of a strategy I kind of wish I would have done on the one I've got right now. Um, But, you know, it's kind of at the point where it's been on the market for, a few months. And so we're going to start having those conversations with him of, you know, maybe it's time to think about this and just kind of feel him out, see where he's at with it. And I think he'll be open to it because, you know, we have, we can go to him and say, you know, we've done the marketing, you know, it's on, you can't go to a website and not find it. Yes, sir. Improve your performance. Yeah. 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 You know, and we've done direct mailings on it, sent just listed postcards We've done all this for it, and it just hasn't gotten there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're you're giving him an opportunity right now where you're even willing to sacrifice some of your time knowing that you're not going to get compensated until we can get that price down. But I'll take the ride with you is how we call that a lot of times. If if you want to if you want to swing for the fence out there, I'll take that ride with you for 30 or 60 days or so, but we need to get this price down where I can get it sold after we've tested the market. Yep. In a very robust market like this, it is difficult to tell what that pricing threshold is because it's what is the price? What is the actual selling price or what property's worth? Whatever someone wants to pay for. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. And listen, in this kind of a market where there's not a lot of inventory, Sometimes people get very frustrated and and they do stupid things, you know. They just yeah. they they do things. I say they're stupid. I mean, if you have the cash and you're getting enjoyment out of it and stuff, who's to say it's stupid to pay twice what a property's worth because you just wanted it and you're tired of waiting. Yep. I ran so 
weird story goes along with this, I promise, in the end. Um, we bought new couches a couple weeks ago. Uh, we bought a couple sectionals, no big deal. We ran into a family friend there while we were there um, shopping, and he was looking for leather furniture, new leather furniture. Well, the place we were all shopping at is a big place out in Kansas, and it's pretty locally no- well-known locally. But um, Walmart, actually- Walmart's everywhere. Yep. Exactly. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> they didn't actually have any of their floor model furniture. You had to order it. So everything everything we bought is not coming until October. Um, and I'm not happy with that decision, but he needed something that day. Like, he was ready to buy that day. And the one couch they had in stock was like a $1,700 couch. Like, you are crazy. You could have bought that thing for $500. He's like, yeah, but I want it. I want it now. I'm willing to pay whatever it is. And I'm taking it home with me today. People are impulse buyers. It, they are. And I mean, it's more. It's a little different of an impulse buy, but it's the same situation. If somebody's looking for something or they're in, you know, they have to move out of their residence right now and they only have this amount of time to do yeah. it, they're yeah. going to take what's available. Yep. They're going to. Yep. Well, I've yep. been for months, I've been shopping for a utility trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I finally picked one up this week and I paid. I finally broke down. And bought a new one. I've been trying to do it off the classifieds. Yeah. And I paid as much for a new one as mm-hmm. I see a lot of people selling their used ones for. Yep. And, yep. you know, it's those used ones. That's what's you gotta, deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll find a deal on them and it's gone in five minutes. But I've seen other ones where, you know, it's maybe $200 less than a brand new one. Mm-hmm. But it's gone that same day. Yeah. And anything yep. like that that's in high demand right now, yeah, people are... We They're talked about a year or so ago about me, my search for kayaks. I mean, everything in this market yeah. has been like that. It's like, all right, let's get it now. Yeah. It's there. We're going to pay $300 instead of There may not be any water go. next exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What if all so, the rivers dry up? Let's get us a kayak while we still can. You know, we've taken that dang kayak out like four times since we bought it a yeah. year ago. <laughs> I hate that kayak. You hate the kayak. I, it's overpriced. We paid double what we should have just because we had to have it right then. Same situation. So, yeah. Four times. Got used four times in a year. Impulse. Yeah. Double the price for four times. Four trips. You'll pay more for convenience. People yep. will pay mm-hmm. for convenience. Oh, yeah. 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 You're a guy with the couch. It's like, yes. yeah, I could save $500, but let's, I'm, I want it right now, yeah. and I don't want to mess with it tomorrow. Uh-huh. Let's, let's get it done. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, another strategy when you're, when you're dealing with folks like this is um, – I've seen where there's marketing opportunities coming up in your company. You have a, a banner ad, mm-hmm. you know, on a land website that needs to be renewed, or you have a catalog space or a, a magazine space for an ad. They'll call sellers and they say, listen, I've got an opportunity coming up for marketing, but your property's overpriced. Yeah. And if I can get you to lower the price to X, I want to put it in this magazine, but I can't, basically I can't waste the spot out there if we're not going to get this sold and we're not getting any hits and we're doing a tremendous job of marketing it. This may accelerate, but they'll leverage that opportunity mm-hmm. to get them to lower the price. You're creating a reason for them to lower the price. Another one is where you give them marketing statistics or say after 30 days, 60 days, listen, we've had 3,600 people have come to the website. We've had over 1,700 click-throughs or views. and We're not getting any offers. I need to, we need to lower the price. I want these statistics to go up even higher and I want to start getting some offers from you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you're you're giving them an a, a, a reason to create action, to create yeah. an event. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We'll slip away. We'll hear from the sponsors real quick, and we'll come back in just a few minutes and wrap up here with Ian Goodyear. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their American dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. The oil and gas marketplace. Yes. about that? I hope that makes a boom. I hope that comes back strong. Yeah, you know, I bet you do. I was just thinking about that the other day. The oil prices have shot back up. They're, and they're trying to hold. You know, they're, they got back up past $70 a barrel. And that uh, we, we need that. Yeah. that again, it's, a, it's the trickle-down effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Oil and gas, uh, we start producing. All of a sudden, they employ a lot of people. And, and they pay pretty good wages. And now that money's being spent on consumer products. Mm-hmm. And they're buying farms and Buying a new house and couches, couches, seventeen hundred dollar couches, <laughs> yeah. Not waiting, not waiting on the five hundred dollar uh-uh. ones. I'm uh-uh. an oil and gas guy. That's when I lived in Oklahoma. You could always tell when oil and gas was good because that's when you'd see the most sixty, seventy thousand dollar F two fifties on the road. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And in yeah. driveways. Oh as yeah. Soon as gas went down, those trucks were getting Gone. sold mm-hmm. off. Yeah, those guys say, we can't keep them on the lot right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oil and gas business is good. Come get your big old dooley. I'm from Oklahoma. I know yeah. there's something I liked about you. Well, this has been interesting because it's, uh, I knew it'd be a great topic because if you're in real estate, mm-hmm. you're dealing with overpriced listings. Yeah. So let's recap. You know, we're we're getting we're getting towards the tail end of the show. Let's just recap. Recognize when you're taking the listing out there. Do your due diligence, do a little bit of homework, or before you list it, if I was to have a listing conversation with you today, 
uh, I don't always have to sign that listing. You know, what I want to do is I want to get you excited about what I'm going to offer. I'm going to owe you some materials because that generally staves off the conversation of you calling somebody else. Mm -hmm. You're going to wait a day or two till I come back to you with a bunch of materials and let me let me go gather some materials for you real quick. Let me um, I want to do a market research and I've got a couple of other things I want to show you. Let me come back here on Wednesday if that's okay. What I'm really doing is I'm getting my mind wrapped around what's this house worth? What's this commercial building worth? What's this farm worth? And then we'll come back and we'll actually sit down in the listing contract and write out something that makes sense for both of us. If I'm going to spend my time marketing this instead of just layering my website with more listings that I can't get sold, let's have a strategy where I can get it sold. Yep. Because any listing you take, you're going to put money into it, whether it's marketing or, you know, like we were just talking about, gas is up now. Yes, sir. (laughs) If you're driving to that place to take photographs, to put up Uh a sign, I mean, that stuff adds up. Yeah. So it, you need to make sure that you're being smart about it because if you're taking a listing that's overpriced, but you know that maybe your seller's not reasonable and they're not going to budge, it might be the better decision to walk away. But that's one you got to feel out case by case. Mm -hmm. Now the risk in that, and I've watched this replicate. It's, it's, um, it's very risky in the land business. Um, they want, um, and I'm using a lot of hypotheticals today, but they want $5,000 an acre. And you're like, crap, this thing's only worth 3000 an acre. You don't take the listing or somebody else gets the listing and they put it up and they advertise it for 5000 an the acre. next day for 5000 an acre. Or, you know, down the road, I mean, you, yeah. they have a, a little bit of time, but all of a sudden it's under contract and you find out somebody brought them a $3,100 an acre, a $3,200 an acre offer, and they took it. Well, one thing you can count on in this business, the person that has the listing agreement on, it's going to get paid the commission, right? Yep. And if the buyer's represented, they'll get a taste out of that. But why listings drive this business is you're going to get paid out of that listing if you have the listing agreement. So it's hard to walk away from those sometimes. I think the better strategy is, is if you're not willing to walk away from it, be willing to set up and have frank conversation with the seller, set up a strategy that ensures that you've got a marketable property Yeah, at some point during the listing. Doesn't have to be today. Yeah. I think as long as you can have a good communication line with the seller, then, you know, that's the key. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ian, this has been a blessing. It's been a yeah. great show. That's uh, that's great insight. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, tell them how to, uh, to reach out to Mr. Ian Goodyear. My direct line is 918 918- Seven six six one one three three. I live in Kansas, but I kept the Oklahoma number. Mm-hmm. And then I've also you can also email me. It's Ian at buyheritage.com. I A N at buyheritage.com. Yep. Okay. All right. Ian, we appreciate you yeah. being on the show. Trina. Yes. Any final thoughts? Hopefully I have a pool next time we talk. That would be awesome. It would be. And All a couch. Right. <laughs> Pull on a couch, please. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time inside the sale ring.
Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.